You know, when it comes to making decisions, I think some of us are just so tired of the daily grind of trying to get it right that we just try to avoid decision-making at all possible. I mean, the pressure of, of, of making the right decision for my business or for my family or for my future or for my job weighs on us so much, and we make so many decisions every single day that, man, we just try to want to get away from it. Because I, I think for many of us today, the pressure of getting it right is, is enough, but then you tie in pleasing God in the midst of that journey and you're just like, man, I just don't want to make decisions anymore. Because I think we want to please God, we just don't know how. Like, I don't know what God wants for me in my life. And so we go on this aimless journey trying to discover something that we're not really sure what we're looking for. And here's what I would suggest. You know, in this pursuit of trying to discover God's will, I believe God has given you everything you need to find it. You just have to locate it. Let me, let me put it to you like this. You know, in, in my line of work, there are often times where I have very early morning meetings. And I can remember one time where I had a Monday morning meeting. And so I wake up pretty early in the morning. I, I go through my normal routine. No one is up in our house. And so I grab a shower. I, I put my clothes on. I grab some breakfast. And I throw my backpack on with my laptop. And I go to the hallway that's right from our kitchen to our garage where Ashley and I, we have hook racks and baskets where we put our keys. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just getting ready to head to this meeting, and so I go to get my keys where they should be, and, and they're not there. And so it's not that big of a deal. This happens fairly regularly where my keys aren't in the basket, and so I just have this process of places I put my keys, like on the kitchen countertop, and so I'm not that worried, and so I begin to go through the process of, of looking in other places where I know my keys probably are. And so I walk through that process, and the problem is, is I don't find my keys, there's nowhere to be found, and at this place, I, I, I find myself stepping into a little bit of panic. I, I can feel a bead or two of sweat kind of dripping down my forehead, and I don't really know what to do next, and so naturally, I go to our bedroom, and I shake my wife, baby, you got to get out of bed, I know you moved my keys, where are they? And poor Ashley, she kind of turns, wipes the sleep from her eyes and the drool from her face, and she's like... Babe, what time is it and where are we? And I'm like, babe, I lost my keys. I got an early morning meeting. We got to find them. And so she jumps out of bed and we go on this deep investigation, throwing like pillows and throw pillows and, and blankets. And we just turn everything, rugs, and we don't find my keys. And man, I'm like in sheer panic now because I'm going to be late. And I do not like to be late. It's one of my pet peeves in life. Like I just don't like to be late. I'd rather miss the meeting altogether than to be late to the meeting. That's just who I am. And so I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have to call this person and tell them we can't meet. And they're going to ask why. And I'm going to be like, well, I'm not, big, I'm not a big enough boy to keep my keys. And so sorry, we can't meet. That's really an awesome excuse, right? And so I, I don't know what to do. And I'm looking to my wife for encouragement and you know, she's been awesome through this journey. She's like in this desire to help me find my keys. And, and I look at my wife and, you know, what was this kind of kind and, and sincere face trying to help me begins to change. What was like beautiful brown eyes turned to fire. 
And she looks at me and she leans in and this sharp, deep voice, she says, Drew, the keys are in your pants pocket. <laughs> I'm like, babe, no, no, <laughs> please don't kill me. And so I got out of danger's way and I got in my truck and left for the meeting. And it's funny, but I think sometimes when it comes to life and discovering God's will, we kind of do the same thing. Because we, we, we don't think we can discover, we don't know what God wants for us, and I think God sometimes looks at us frustrated and is like, I've given you everything you need to know what I want. And that's kind of the conversation we've been having for the last two weeks in this series called Waiting for a Sign. And we've just been kind of having a conversation of how you and I, in every decision that we make in life, can know what God wants for us and what God has for us. And up to this point, we looked at two big filters. The first one, the filter of God's people, how God puts the right people in our lives to show us godly paths. Then week two, we talked about God's word and how it creates a framework a baseline, some guardrails for, for, for every decision that I make. If I would just get to know God through his word and out of who he is, it would begin to change me. And in those two journeys, God would create this framework so I would know which way to go. And we're gonna continue the conversation with the third major filter that God uses in our lives. It's the filter of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is God as one person in a trinity. He's one God, but he displays himself in three people or three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we believe God has given us his spirit to guide and navigate us through life when every decision that we face. And so we're gonna discover that together this morning. But before we dive too deep into the details of how the Holy Spirit plays a role, an active role in every decision that we make, I think there's some things we have to understand from the big picture of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is kind of fuzzy to us. In the church world, you know, you can go from church here to church there to church there, and we all kind of have similar but different beliefs on how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And so the role of the Spirit playing in my life is difficult to understand, and I want to give you two reasons why as we start. The first one, our interpretation of his voice can be subjective. I mean, we know this to be true. Like every once in a while, we'll turn, we'll turn on the news or we'll read it, and we'll realize that someone does something horrific, and one of their excuses is God told them to do it. And you're like, Whoa, What? Because the voice of the Holy Spirit for all of us at different phases of life and different personalities can be subjective. At, at times, we can try to make the Spirit say what we want him to say and then ultimately blame him. And what's interesting is when you look at Christians, good Christians, godly Christians, you even look at our church staff, we all have slightly different in interpretations of how the Spirit works in our lives. And sometimes it's personality related. Let me... There, really, in, in, in our audience today, at our campuses and online, there's probably two, two categories of people. Some of you are what I would call thinkers, or you look at life through the lens of logic. And when it comes to the Spirit, what we like to do, it's not a healthy way to view the Spirit, is we like to take the Spirit and put him in our box of logic. And ultimately, what that leads us to believe is we don't really need the Spirit because I've thought through every detail. I know everything. I have a spreadsheet. And so, like, hey, I, I've already thought about this, so I don't really need the Spirit. But then there's a bunch of us who are feelers. And we look at life through the lens of our feelings. And so we believe the Spirit's in everything because we feel it. 
And you have two types of godly people that look at the Holy Spirit completely different and they hear his voice differently because it's subjective. And today we want to take that subjectivity and make it a little bit clearer for you. But the second thing we have to understand about what's hard to to understand about the Spirit is the Spirit comes with a prerequisite. The Spirit of God comes with a prerequisite. It's unlike the first two filters that we talked about in in our decision-making process. Because the filter of people, we all have people in our lives. We have family, we have friends, we have coworkers, ultimately people who we can bounce our decisions off, get advice from, and so we have access to that. You think about the filter of God's word. We all have access to God's word. All you have to do today, take out your smartphone, download the Bible app, and you have every version of the Bible in your hands accessible to you. But here's the unique thing about the Holy Spirit. is not every single one of us has access to him. Because the Spirit of God only lives within believers. The Spirit of God, the only people who have access to fully God living inside of them are the people who have said yes to Jesus, who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're like, man, I'm not sure if I, if I have the Spirit of God living in me. And you might ask the simple but really important question, how do I get that? If I've only got two out of the three filters, man, I want to I get the third one. How does that happen? Ephesians chapter 1, it says this. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And so here, here's what this, voice, this verse says. You've got to be very clear that when you heard the gospel, the truth, Good news is what we call the gospel, the greatest news ever told, that, man, we recognize that we're all sinners. We've all lived in disobedience to God, and that caused a a gap between my relationship with God. But Jesus came in my behalf, fixed a problem I couldn't by dying and resurrecting, giving me victory over my sin. And if I believe in what he accomplished for me, then I'm marked, the scripture says, I'm marked with a seal called the Holy Spirit. So we have to understand when we cross the line of faith, when, 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 we, when we get saved is what the church says, in that moment when you choose in your life personally, not your mom or your dad choose, not your grandparents, but you choose for your life that you're a sinner and you want Jesus to forgive you of your past, your present, and your future sins. And you say, Jesus, I want you to lead my life. In that moment when you make that decision, something miraculous happens. Something that I don't think we fully grasp or understand because we can't see it with our own eyes. But in that moment, when you make that decision, God sends not a piece of himself, but all of himself in the Holy Spirit to live in you. Now, for a second, let's pause and let's just be in awe of how awesome God is to us. Because I think there's many Christians today that We've just forgotten all about the Holy Spirit. And it's one of the greatest gifts God gave you the moment you said, hey, I need you, God. And he said, you're about to have all of me. Praise the Lord. What a gift. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we should say, man, God, thank you for that gift. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, for me, that would be enough to have God walking with me every day to say yes to Jesus. And so the Spirit is a gift. In fact, this is what Corinthians, uh, uh, the, the Apostle Paul, he says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? So he's talking about your body, your physical body, and that God's Spirit dwells 
in your midst. What a gift God has given us. Now here's the question. That's awesome. If I believe in Jesus, I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. But what I'm really after today, Drew, is how does the Spirit of God play an active role in how I make decisions? How how is he going to help me discover what God wants for me with my business, with my family, with my kids, with my future, with my college, with my majors, and all that life brings my way? So how does the Spirit play an active role? And our theme verse this morning is John chapter 16. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to John 16. We're going to be there a little bit. But verse 13, it says this, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes. So when you make that decision to follow Jesus, he comes. And it says this, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. And so right here, this this verse tells us the role the spirit plays in our lives. He, He serves as our guide. God's spirit serves as our guide. I mean, how nice is it to know that as you walk through life, you have somebody going with you wherever you go. You have your guide. And and, and what's interesting here is it's very similar to last week. Remember last week we talked about the word of God and we said in Psalms 119 that the the word of God is a a lamp unto our feet and a a light unto our path. And so God is, is such a genius. He's so brilliant. As you walk through life, it gets dark and cloudy. You don't know what to do. You go to his word and you get this lamp and this light that shows you your path. And then he sends the Holy Spirit to say, hey, I'm not gonna just light up the path. I'm gonna send somebody to walk with you through the path. Is our guide. You know, when I think about this word guide, I often think about trips. You know, one thing we do as a church is every year we try to go to uh, Turkey or Israel to shoot some on-site footage uh, for our church to see the Bible come alive, the actual locations where these took place. And in February, we're gearing up to go to Israel to shoot the storyline of Jesus and, and make it come alive for you guys to see where it actually took place. And there's a lot that goes into planning these trips, but one of the very first steps we take is we book a guide to navigate us through the journey. Because, you know, the reality is, is we've been to Israel a couple times, we've done some of these trips, but man, I don't know how to navigate the, the, Israel. I don't know how to get from the Sea of Galilee to Jerusalem. I mean, MapQuest is great, but if that thing ever goes wrong, we're gonna be in some trouble. Not only does a guide steer you in the right direction, but he also protects you. He protects you from certain things, that certain places that you shouldn't go and you shouldn't be in because we go to these trips and we're flying a drone around and it could look pretty suspicious. I mean, we've had some army people chasing us down every once in a while. It's quite dangerous. Like, I'm James Bond. I know you didn't know that, but I am. <laughs> and so we go on these trips and, man, we, we have a guide to show us, hey, stay away from there. Here's where you want to be. And that same truth is true for you and I in life is we have a guide called the Holy Spirit to walk with us. Have you ever wondered how God is always with you? You know, in the Bible it says that God will never leave you nor forsake you, right? And sometimes it's like, okay, God, really, you're never gonna be there? And the truth is, is he's always gonna be there because he lives inside of all of us. He's our guide. So let's flesh this out. So if his main role, the Holy Spirit in my decision-making is he's gonna guide me, let's talk about two ways he does that. Two specific ways in my life and in your life, in our decision-making process, where he guides us. The first one, the Spirit convinces us. The Spirit convinces us of which route to take, which direction to go. He leads us in the journey. Romans 8, 14, it says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, for those of who, who are convinced or convinced by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
And so here the apostle Paul is saying, hey, the evidence of you knowing God is that the spirit is convincing you of the things of God. He's leading you to the journey of God. And and in one way we can put this is being convinced or being convinced by the Holy Spirit is, is when the spirit just simply says to us, go. The moments in our life where your heart is pricked to to go in a certain direction, to to share your faith, to love on your neighbor, the Spirit says, hey, I want you to act. I want you to go. I want you to pray. And what's crazy about this is the same Spirit that leads you and I is the same Spirit that when Jesus was fully man and fully God on earth led Jesus. I mean, in, in a couple months, it's going to be Christmas. Before you know it, it's going to be here. We're going to be celebrating, celebrating the birth of Jesus and what he came to do in, in his ministry on earth. And if you study the life of Jesus, one thing that will glare out to you is how much Jesus was led and convinced by the Spirit of God. In fact, let me show it to you. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. So Jesus is being guided by the Spirit of God, just like you and I should be. Luke 4, 14, it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news spread, about him, uh, spread through the whole countryside. And man, here's my question for you today, is if Jesus, the Son of God, was led around and convinced by the Holy Spirit, how much more should I be? How much more should I access and listen to the Spirit of God as my guide? But here's a really important question you have to ask. You see, many of us, we want to be led by the Spirit, but we're going to ask this question, and I think this is a really vital question. How do I know it's the Spirit's voice speaking? Like in life, as I'm making decisions and I feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit, how do I know that's not my selfishness? How do I know that's actually God's voice speaking into my life? And one thing we have to know about the Spirit of God and Him leading us and Him convincing us is the Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. The Spirit of God living in you will never tell you to do something that goes, that opposes or contradicts the Word of God. In fact, our our, our verse, it says this in, in, in John 16, it says, but when He The spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We believe here at this church, truth comes from the word of God. And for he will not speak on his own initiative. And what that simply means is he's not gonna create a new framework for us to live by. He's not gonna lead us down a new path that the Bible doesn't cover. No, he's never going to contradict what God's revelation already says to us. He's gonna guide us in that framework. So he's our guide, and the first thing he does is he convinces us. He says, go, act pray. But then secondly, as our guide, the second role he plays is almost the opposite. The Spirit convicts us. The Spirit of God as our guide convicts us of the errors in our decision, the disobedience in in, in our paths, ways that don't please God. John 16 verse 8, it says this, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. Galatians 5 16, it says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, be guided by the Spirit. Why? Because you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. And that's one of the major roles as our guide is he convicts us of of wrong decisions. He convicts us of the sin that we easily get entangled into. And and here is the cool thing in Galatians, it says you, you do that because you won't gratify your desires, but you'll gratify 
God's desires. Remember we talked about God's will, the big picture? We broke it down into three categories. And the major category that we're looking at is God's will of desire. These are things that God desires for you and I as his followers, things that should be true about our lives. But here's the hard part about chasing down God's will is I have desires that often are prone not to fulfill God's desires. And the reason why we're led by the spirit of God because he distinguishes between those two. He shows us this is what you want, here's what God wants. He guides us. But that word convict. You see, I I think there's some misunderstandings when it comes to that word conviction or the spirit convicting us. And I want to talk about two misunderstandings. The first one is between our conscience and conviction. You see, I think every single one of us has a conscience. And I believe that conscience comes from the image of God that he made us in. Genesis chapter one, it talks about all of humanity is made in the image of God. And I think, and I believe, therefore, out of that image, I am born with a conscience. And what that means is I generically know the difference between right and wrong based off of God's image in me. And so I think all of us could agree, if I went home today and I murdered somebody, we would all agree, hey, that's wrong because of our conscience. But here's one thing you have to know about your conscience is you can live a certain lifestyle long enough and you have the ability and the power to beat down your conscience. So you can convince your conscience that it's okay to do certain things because you've lived that way long enough. And so you can tell your conscience the way you wanna live and it will adapt to that. But the difference between your conscience and conviction and the Holy Spirit is you will never be able to beat down the Holy Spirit. He will never accept sin for anything other than sin. And so you can live in a lifestyle rebellious to God and and the Holy Spirit will consistently scream out to you, this is not right, this isn't pleasing to God. Now you can turn his volume down, you choose to live a rebellious, in in a lifestyle that's rebellious to God, you can turn his volume down where he's screaming and you're just like, can't hear you, can't hear you, can't hear you. And and these are the moments when the Spirit convicts us. It's different than our conscience, but I think there's another battle that's going on, the difference between conviction and guilt and shame. You see, conviction, the reason the Holy Spirit convicts us is not to condemn you. The Spirit doesn't tell you the error and the disobedience in your decision to say, hey, how could you? Like, what's wrong with you? Why would you choose that? That's not his purpose. It's not condemnation. His purpose of conviction is to lead you into a better path, to say you can actually overcome this and find yourself living where God wants you to be. But the opposite of that, I believe, is guilt and shame. And I think many people live with the weight of guilt and shame based off their past decisions. And I believe, God, or I believe the enemy uses guilt and shame to keep you stuck where you are. Because guilt and shame tell you you'll always be that way. You'll never overcome it, so stop trying. You will be stuck there because that is who you are. And the enemy uses that that guilt and shame to keep you bogged down to where you are so you never try to overcome it. And the Spirit of God uses conviction in your life to say, hey, that's not who you are, and God has restored you, and you can beat this. But he shows us the error of our ways. So he convicts us, and these are the moments where the Spirit of God just screams, stop. The Spirit is our guide. He just says, hey, stop. Don't go down that road. Don't choose that path because it might look good right now, but I'm telling you, it's going to get bumpy the longer you stay on it. And so the question is today, if if that's the role of the Spirit, he's our guide, and he convinces us, and he convicts us. He screams, go, and he screams, stop. 
How in the world do I access him? Because I think for many of us, we've forgotten the spirit of God, the gift God has given us. And how do I live in a lifestyle that listens to that voice, that accesses the ability in every decision I make, and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit? And again, we talked about consistent rhythms, right? The rhythm of asking people for help and wise counsel. We talked about week two, the the rhythm of being in God's word every single day. And I think the rhythm we need to learn is just to simply be sensitive to God's spirit. We need to learn to live in sensitivity and listen to that still small voice that guides us. Here's why, John 16, verse seven, this is what Jesus says. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the guide, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And here Jesus is speaking to his followers and he's telling them, hey, I'm getting ready to go to the cross to die and then leave you. And all of his disciples were like, no, you can't leave us, Jesus. We need you. We need you. And he's like, no, hold on a second. It's actually better for me to go because I'm just one person. But when I send the Holy Spirit, he will live in all believers. And I think many believers, we think, man, I just wish I could live in in, in a world where Jesus lived. Like, it would be just so much easier if, if, if Jesus was just there and I could see him and I could touch him. The problem was, is Jesus in his humanity, he was just one guy. One guy walking the face of the earth, and and we almost struggle with the same tension Jesus probably did because we can't be all things for all people. And so Jesus was just one person, and he said to all of us, hey, it's actually better that I go because I'm gonna give you my spirit that's gonna walk with every believer, not just one person anymore, but I'm gonna dwell in all of you who believe in me. So Jesus says it's better. So how are we sensitive to the spirit he gave us? How do we live that way? I think number one, we listen for his nudgings. We listen for that voice to just nudge us to say, go. And I think in my life, the Spirit is really teaching me and working on me in in one area in this. You know, when when it comes to those nudgings, what does it look like for the Spirit to nudge you? And one thing that I'm learning as a pastor is when I was a young pastor, I would have people come up to me all the time, and I still do this, and they would say, hey, Drew, would you pray for this? I'm struggling with this. Hey, hey, Drew, I'm dealing with this circumstance in my life. Would you pray for me? And I would tell people all the time, yes, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And I did pray for them, but there are times on Sundays where I would get to Monday, and I would be like, okay, I'm going to pray for all these people, and I forget what they were asking me to pray for. And it's like, oh, how how do I keep track of that? And and here's one thing that the Spirit nudges me all the time. When someone comes to me in the lobby or or, or during the week and they say, hey, Drew, I need prayer for this. The Spirit just simply says, hey, Drew, why don't you stop right now? Why don't you pray for that person? Why wait to pray when you can do it right now? And he just pricks my heart to say, hey, let's pray right now. He does this with our elders meetings. We're talking about some difficult things sometimes. And and sometimes one of our elders would just say, hey guys, let's stop everything and let's just pray because the spirit is nudging me to do that. It's those moments in life where you're at the grocery store and you see someone hurting and the spirit just tells you, go go give them a hug. Go tell them you're praying for them. Go pray for that person. It's that moment in your your office where where your coworker's asking you questions about your faith and that, that spirit just nudges you to say, hey, invite them to church. Hey, share your faith. And I think we all know and we, we sense those nudgings of the Holy Spirit and we have to learn to listen to them, to act on them. And again, you might ask the question, how do I know if it's the Spirit of God? How do I know that's truly God's voice speaking to me? I'll give you three questions. They're not in your notes. I'd encourage you to write them down. The first one I always ask, does this align with God's word? It's the obvious question. Like, hey, is what he's telling me, does that, does that work within the framework God has created? Secondly, is this pleasing to God? 
I get at the end of this decision, is God going to look at me and say, well done, Drew. Well done. You, you acted and you listened to the Spirit of God. And I think the third one, the first two are kind of more the obvious questions to ask. The third one I think is really important. You've got to ask yourself, is this self-serving? Because I think in life, a lot of times, we like to use the Spirit of God as an excuse to do what we want to do. You know, we, 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 we know what we want to do, and we just say, oh, the Spirit told me to do that because it's ultimately going to benefit me. It's going to make me look good. And I want you to understand the role of the Holy Spirit is not to make you look good. It's to get your life at a place where you glorify God. That's the role. And so we have to ask that tough question. Is this something I want to do, or is this something the Spirit is leading me to do? Because we know the, the fruits of the Spirit. We know what the Spirit produces. Galatians 5, I'd encourage you to read it this week. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And so you could ask yourself the question, is this going to produce love in me, joy in me, patience, kindness in me? So we listen for the nudgings, one. Secondly, we hear his rebukes. And I'd encourage you to add to that, not just hear his rebukes, but add a word there, heed his rebukes. Because I think many of us, we hear the rebukes of the Holy Spirit, but we've been ignoring them long enough. And it's time we heeded them. This is the moments in our life where the Spirit tells us to stop. And man, he's been working in my life just as much as he nudges me. He tells me stop plenty of times in my life. And one area that he's really done this in my life, and I'm not perfect at it, but when Ashley and I, we, we get into a little bit of an argument, we get into a fight, and you know how, you know how it is when you're, when you're fighting with someone, all you want to do is win the war, Right? You want to prove yourself right, and there's moments when, when you're in a, in a battle, you use some weapons that, 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 that aren't good, like hurting somebody. And there's times when Ashley and I get in an argument that I've got words at the tip of my tongue that I'm getting ready to use, and I know they'll hurt her so I can win the argument. And there's moments where the Spirit just says, Drew, stop. Is it really worth it? Is it worth it to say that to your wife? Is it worth it to hurt your wife over this? And we all know those moments in our life where the Spirit says that path is not the path God has for you. Moments where the Spirit says don't click on that. Moments when the Spirit says that's not yours, don't take it. Moments when the Spirit says walk away while, you, while, you, while you're heated. Get away from the situation. And I want to pause here today and I want to press in because I think for some of us today the Spirit has been yelling stop and we haven't been listening. And we're living in this lifestyle where we're choosing to go against what God has for us. And the Spirit has been rebuking you. He's been screaming at you, stop, don't go there, don't choose that. You don't see the destruction for your family, for your business, for your life, or for your future. And maybe today, God's Spirit is getting through to you to say, hey, don't do it. Stop, see the error in your ways. Because in every decision we make, we have a guide. It's the Spirit of God. And that Spirit of God plays an active role in convincing me in the direction I need to go and convicting me in, in the direction I don't need to go. And we have to learn to be sensitive to His voice. And I would just ask you today, does the Spirit of God have an active role in your life? Or do you just navigate life through your own power and your own might and your own wisdom? I think many of us today, we've forgotten about one of the greatest gifts God has ever given us. And it's all of him living inside of me and you as believers. And maybe today this is a wake-up call for us in every decision that we make. I've got to listen to the nudgings and I've got to hear the rebukes and be obedient to them. Because, man, we have decisions to make and God has given us a filter system.
He's given us three filters, his people, his word, and his spirit. But my question this morning and where I want to land and end this morning is how do we navigate these three things? Because there's a lot of them. Like, okay, man, God's word, I got I to read God's word, I got to ask people for help, and, and I got to listen to the spirit. That can get a, a lot, like overwhelming. And so my question this morning is how do all three of these three things work in unity and unison for us when we make decisions? And I think these three things give us a window into God's will. And so I want to show you how God uses these three things in our lives. So here's what we've learned in, in, in this series. Many of you, you have questions. You, 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 you're like, God, what do you want from me? And here's what we've learned. We've learned the first place to go in any decision that you're going to make. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have a decision to make and you want to know what God wants for you, we all know the first place to go. It's God's word. This is the, the framework for every decision that we make. It's, it's God's word. And so if you've got a decision to make and you haven't checked your user's manual, like, come on. This is the first place we go, and, and this should be a natural rhythm in our life. I don't know what to do. Man, I'm going to read my Bible. You'd be amazed at how good you are at making decisions if you'd actually just spend time in God's word because it, it's my user's manual in life. But then out of that framework, I know I'm going to... Now, listen to my guide. So I have a guide. So I have a map in life. And now not only do I have a map, but I've got a voice that speaks to me. It's kind of like the map and navigation app, right? Like I, 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 there's a light to my path, and now there's a guide to, to take me where I need to go. And so the question is, are you listening to the nudgings and hearing the rebukes? But then third, we've got God's people. I've got friends in my life that when, man, I've checked God's word, I've listened to his spirit, now I'm going to get wise counsel from godly people to find the right path. You need the right people in your life to find God's path in your life. So we know this. I got a decision to make. And so here's where I go, but here's how most of us feel. Is all of us have decisions, right? So life is full of decisions. And here's what's hard. Is I have no clue what to do. There's enough pressure on, on trying to do what's best for my family, what's best for my business, what's best for my future, what's best for my job, what's best for my finances. Like, that's enough pressure in the decision-making process. And then you add in pleasing God, and here's what I find myself in every decision, guessing, hoping, like, God, I want to do what is right. I just don't know what it is. And let's face it, none of us get around this. Every single one of us, whether you're watching online or you're at one of our campuses, every single one of us in life has to make decisions. And it's not just one area of our life. You know, for some of you today, it's money. Like you got decisions that deal with money. Do I have enough to retire? Should I buy this house or should I not? Should I save or should I spend? Where should I invest and where shouldn't I? And, and so that's stressful enough, but then you throw your kids into the mix. 
right? I got decisions to make for my kids. And so it's like, okay, what school do I send them to? Do I send them to a private school or a public school? Like, should I homeschool them and protect them? Or should I send them into the world? Like, I don't know. What should I do? And then we got family issues, right? Like, man, my family's falling apart. And I, 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 like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to act around certain family members or like, man, my parents won't talk to me and I, I don't know how to respond to that. Should I go after them? Should I give them space? Oh, and, and then there's dating, right? So, man, I'm so glad I'm not dating right now. I gotta find the right person. And there's all these guys and these girls and God, I just want the one you have for me. Just, just, just shine a light on them. I don't know who they are and like, I don't know how to date and what's right to date. And then, man, there's my future, right? So, God, I got this list of colleges I should go to. What do you want? Oh, my job, like, man, I, should I stay in that company or should I go to this new one? It's a little more pay, but it's a more travel. I, I don't know what to choose, God. Oh, and then let's, let's just throw in jobs here for a second because, man, my boss is a total jerk, God. You know it. You think he's a jerk, God. But I don't know what to do. Like, am I supposed to witness to this guy and invite him to church? I just want to choke him. But uh, do you want me to stay or not? You know what this leads to? Stress. Problems in our marriage. And we all have good intentions. God, I want to get it right. I want to please you, but I have no clue what to do. And that's why this series is so relevant, because we all feel that. No one's void of it. I wish we were. I wish I was. I wish my life didn't find itself here sometimes. It'd be such a blessing. But we all find ourselves here. God, what do I do? And I think God looks down on us, and we're trying to locate God's will. And I think God says, hey, just like my keys, I've given you everything you need to get there. Problem is, we focus on making the right decision. And God is saying, actually, if you'd learn to just shift this over here, if you just learn, no matter what it is, your kids, your money, your job, your future, your dating, if you would just learn to start with my word and my spirit and then go to my people, you'd be amazed that you'd probably know what I want. So some of you, maybe someone today got an inheritance. And you're like, man, I, I have this chunk of money and I don't know what to do with it, God. Like, should I invest it? Should I save it? Should I buy it? Should I, what should I do, God? And you go to his word and you're like, hey, God gives me a little bit of freedom. He knows, like, I shouldn't gamble it away. God doesn't want me to gamble away, but there's freedom. And then I listen to the nudgings of the Holy Spirit, like, where are you leading me, God? What are you doing? Then you ask wise counsel and you realize, man, here's, here's the framework. Here's where God is leading me. Maybe you're in the dating world. And you, you've been dating this person for three months and you know what, you're like, wow, it's perfect. We have chemistry, it's awesome. But then you started to get into some serious conversations and you realize uh, they don't believe the same thing I do about God. And so, hey, hey, what do you do? I, I gotta make the right decision, God. I don't know what to do. And he's like, hey, I've given you my word. My word makes it pretty clear on that, that topic. Like you should know what to do. And see, life... It's so hard because all we do is we focus on the choices we have to make. And I get it. 
because we feel the pressure. But I told you in this series, we want to take that pressure off. We want to remove the pressure of trying to find something that you can't feel like, you don't think you can get there. And we want to make it clearer to you. Because at the end of the day, this is all about making the right decision. But when you shift this over, it's not about making the right decision. It's about becoming the right person. And here's what God knows, is if I can spend time in his word and I can listen to his spirit and I can surround myself with godly people, he will make me and he will mold me into the right man or woman. And when I become the right man or woman, I will begin to make the right decisions. Let's pray today. Man, God, it's not easy. Decision after decision, choice after choice weighs on us. But God, you've given us everything we need. I just pray that we would tap into it, that we'd locate it and we'd use it, that we'd be in your word, that we'd ask wise counsel, and then ultimately we would listen to the spirit that lives inside of us. And God, it's not about doing the right thing. It's about becoming the man or woman that you want us to become. And so may you lead us there. In Jesus' name, amen.